Ladies and gentlemen, all you need is love. That is in the background of Jessica Khan's video. And it, you know what? <laughs> we are interviewing her today. I am it is episode 86 of the Open Guard cast. I told Danny I wasn't going to tell him what I was doing for the intro of the episode. I crushed a can on my forehead because I am so stoked to tell you that you need to go to Electric Performance to get thick, mean, lean, and swole. I need to tell you guys that we are excited for EUG Promotions. I am amped because it's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. I am joined by Danny O'Donnell. I am joined by Jessica Khan, and we're going to interview her like you've never, seen, never heard an interview before. So, Jessica, thank you for coming. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, for sure. So, like Jake mentioned, we're uh, we're we've been having a bunch of the EUG Promotions competitors on the podcast. So, do you want to talk a little bit about that event and what your initial impressions were when you were asked to compete for it? Um, they, they reached out to me at first. I, I wasn't sure like what it is because lately, like a lot of like smaller events that I haven't heard about, like have reached out to me. But then like I noticed that it was Hector that ran it, so I mm-hmm. I know him pretty well. I follow like a few of his students, and then yeah, I seen like he's putting on a, a good car. Like I seen like everyone who is competing and looked and looked like pretty legit. So then he offered me a fight and like. I want to fight as much as possible, especially at Black Belt, and I have not gotten to fight in the gi yet at Black Belt. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, the card is really stacked, obviously, yeah. the tournament, but the other cool thing is that he has a lot of cool super fights like leading up to the, the tournament. So, do you want to talk a little bit about your opponent? Um, I think her name, Tamirez Aquino, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but she's a really good competitor. She got third at the Worlds, um, I believe, 2019. So, do you, what, what do you know about her, and what do you think of her as an opponent? Um... I don't know too much about her. I know, like, she's a really, like, good season competitor. She's, like, already fought, like, in the black belt ever so, like, for, like, a few years now. But I know she likes to be on bottom playing, like, Lasso Spider. But that's, like, pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you did just come off of a super fight versus one Danielle Kelly in Nogi. And you looked very impressive there, too. Yeah. Um, was So did you know about how, – how late into your preparation for who's number one did you know – did you find out about EUG? Um, I, I knew about it, like, a few weeks before I fought Who's Number One. Mm-hmm. And did you, like, was it kind of awkward? Because, I mean, Who's Number One, it didn't just happen, it was, like, two two weeks ago, but did you did you still devote your time between Nogi and Gi, or did you kind of go all in Nogi, and now you're back all in Gi? Um, no, I, like, split it up. That's like, smart. at 7 a.m. for comp training, I would just train Nogi, and then the fundamentals class right after, I would just train Gi. You guys, this competition class is at 7 a.m.? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That is <laughs> that is a very early com- competition class. Yeah, right. Yes. And we don't get a good warm-up in, right? When we get on the mat, we just run for, like, a minute and then spar. <laughs> <laughs> just all rolling right into it. <laughs> yeah. So going with, it's going with pre-workout. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I was reading a post uh, by Melky Galval, Mika Galval's dad, about how he runs their comp training, and they do it at like 5:30 a.m. or something crazy like that. And yeah, it's pretty interesting how his reasoning behind doing it. But it's cool to see that other academies are are kind of doing the same thing because it really like only the serious people are going to show up at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. to to train to compete. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Awesome. So do you want to talk a little bit about how you, like, originally got started in jiu-jitsu? Like, what your background is in the sport? Okay. Um, I originally started jiu-jitsu in Hawaii. Like, before that, uh, I was living in California, and I was doing karate. But then my dad was in the Navy, 
so we got stationed in Hawaii. And then I didn't like karate that much, so I but I still wanted to do another martial arts. My dad found jujitsu. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I started training at Oton Martial Arts. Thunder like House and Gracie. Mm-hmm. And then like automatically from the first class I loved it. So, like I just like stuck with it. And how old were you when you started? I was eight. Eight, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Jake was what, eleven? Uh well, okay. So I started Taekwondo when I was eight until I was uh eleven or no, actually I was twelve. And then um I'm kinda like how you are actually what's so funny is I started with my professor when I was yellow belt. I got promoted to orange belt. And I know on your BJJ Heroes, it says that you you came to AOJ when you were orange belt, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Like, I, uh, I'm i 23, so that was, what, 15 years ago that I, that I started doing martial arts. Uh, definitely, yeah. I kind of had the same opinion about karate. Initially, I wanted to be, like, a big-time MMA guy. I saw George St. Beer kick my ears in the head, and I was like, Dad, I got to do that. And he was like, all right, you got to calm down. That is violent. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of people that I talk to, they always say that they started with some some other kind of martial art and then got into jiu-jitsu. Well, they came yeah. to the right place. It's all about yeah. the, as long as you get to the destination, the journey, you could be uh, how whatever it is. But I'm definitely, I'm happy to be doing jiu-jitsu, and I know you are too. Yeah. So you started in Hawaii. Did you train at any other academies before you got to AOJ? Yeah, I trained at many other academies. When I was living in Hawaii, like. The school that I was training at, they only had classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I didn't get to train as much. So, like, I would cross-train at this other school, Gracie Waikiki. And they're, they're like, more competitive school. So I would just, like, go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then I lived there for about two years. And then I moved from Ma- moved to Maine for one year. And then I trained with uh, Kevin Watson. Yeah, Kevin it's under, Watson? Yeah, it's under, like, Marcelo Alonso. Okay. Oh, okay. Nice. I almost got him confused with Kyle Watson down in um <laughs> Illinois. Yeah, Kyle's in Southern Illinois. <laughs> different Kyle mm-hmm. or different yeah. Watson. <laughs> cool last name, but yeah, <laughs> don't know. Maybe I'm related to him in some facet. <laughs> That'd be okay, strange. so after after Maine, is that when you uh, went to California to train at AOJ? Oh no, <laughs> more I, schools. I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, one more school, <laughs> but. Actually, whenever I was living in Hawaii, that's when I first went. Wait, I'm not even sure. <laughs> oh. You trained at so many schools. The timeline is yeah. Uh, it's hard to remember. <laughs> well, hey, the the progress like Goku. No, yeah, no, it was actually yeah in Maine, but it was in in Hawaii is when I went to Pan Kids in California. So that was my first time going to Pan Kids in 2012, and I won. And at the time. I don't know if you guys remember A Team. It was Checkmat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the I time, do. that was like, Eastern. yeah, that was like the AOJ. They had mm-hmm. a lot of com- competitive kids, so that was the school. When I was there, like, I was like, oh, that's the school I want to go to whenever I move here. And then, like, a year later, AOJ opened up, and then I was like, oh wait, no, that's the school I want to go to. <laughs> oh. So wow. while I was living in Maine, I w- I did Pan Kids again, and then I went to AOJ and visited them. Oh my goodness. That's cra- that's crazy that like from Texas to Hawaii to what? May <laughs> New Hampshire, Virginia, Maine. You have like a, a very uh, diverse American history. That you were you were a part of a very many you went from like people who make their own butter to people who eat <laughs> coconuts fresh. That's cr- that's crazy. Yeah, so I was born in Texas and then we moved to California. 
and then moved to Hawaii, then moved to Maine, and then moved to Virginia. And I was living in Virginia for like three and a half years. Oh my goodness. And then after that, in 2016, we officially moved to California and started training at AOJ. Mm, Awesome. That's so. you trained at a bunch of schools. Obviously, you're, you were doing paying kids, so you were doing high-level tournaments before you even got to AOJ. So b- before you got to AOJ, did you kind of know that jiu-jitsu was something you wanted to pursue like very seriously as a professional? Yeah, when I was like Orange Belt, I knew that already. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, because like, in Maine, like the East Coast, like, there was a lot of Naga, so I would literally compete every weekend. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah, and I would yeah. just like, fight the boys. Yeah, we talked to a lot of uh, Lloyd Irving competitors on the podcast, and they yeah, all said the same thing. Yeah, yeah that Naga was like such a big thing on the East Coast. That's awesome. Well, so, do you want? Go ahead, Jake. I was just gonna say, I remember when Naga was huge. I feel like yeah. the, like back when I was orange belt as well, which I'm only f- I think I'm four years older than you. Even when I was like the 12, 13, Naga was gigantic. It was like I thought that Naga was as big as like IBJJF tournaments. Uh, little did I know that it would soon not be that way. It would, and IBJJF would be, uh, uh, I mean, it already was, but Naga just kind of fell off the wayside a little bit. Um, but yeah, anyway, you were saying, Danny? No, I was just going to ask. So you said you won the Pan Kids before going to AOJ, and then you went to go visit there. So what was your first experience like when you walked into the academy? Was it something where the the teachers already knew who you were, like having seen you compete, or were you just like visiting just because you were in California? Um. I was just visiting because I was in California. Or actually, like, before I went, uh, Guy and Hoffa actually weren't there. It, it was, like, one of the other coaches. But now I'm, like, really good co- uh, really good friends with that coach. But, like, yeah, when I first went there, like, my first day, like, either of them weren't there. But then the next day, like, once they came, uh, they didn't really know who I was. So, it was, like, you know, I was still, like, a kid, like, still, like, trying to, like, build my name. And I was only orange belt. But then, like, they saw me training really well and stuff. Then, like, became, like, friends and stuff. For sure. So what was something that you noticed that was different about training at AOJ than from all the other academies you trained at? Oh, they have the best kids team. Best competitive kids team ever. Like, usually, like, all the – especially, like, in Hawaii, there was a lot of kids I trained with. And, like, they were all, like, super good. And then once I went to Maine, I didn't have any kids to train with. I only trained with adults. So it was kind of weird for me. And then mm-hmm. Maine, I didn't have, or um, Virginia, I didn't have any kids to train with either, only adults. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, AOJ was like a dream come true because, like, there were a bunch of, like, high level kids that, like, love to do jiu jitsu just like me. Yeah. So, Jake, when you were coming up in jiu jitsu as a kid, did you have a lot of kids to train with, or you were mostly training with adults? Uh, so I was, uh, because I'm tall and gangly, I, uh, <laughs> I had, I had to get out of the kids program a little early actually. Cause I was too big. I was like, when I was 14, it was like five ten or something. I don't know, like five nine. So I was already really, really tall for a 14 year old. And, uh, but I did have kids to train with all the kids that, so like there's out of the kids program that I grew up with, maybe like seven survived and, uh, just some of them just went and did other things in their lives, but uh, I ended up having to get beat up by adults at like 14 years old, 13, 14 years old, which was rough. But uh, I'm glad I grew up to be like medium heavyweight because now I'm really used to heavy people by this point in time. 
So, um, when when you first started training with the AOJ Kids team, like who was it? Guy Mendez, who was mostly leading most of the training, because I noticed that he does. Seems like he leads a lot of the the comp training now, and he's kind of the one who travels to all the competitions. Was he kind of the person that was like your main source of information and technique? Um, at the time, both of them were always there. Like both of them were always like at the academy, running the competition uh, competition class. And like traveling with us, but now like yeah, it's just Gee and Hoffa's more like uh, behind the scenes, like in the office doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So who were some of the competitors that you were training with in that kids class who people would know now who are like high level black belts or high level uh, upper belts? Um, the funny thing is, and I I always talk about this with Professor Gee, is a lot of those kids like that we're very passionate about and very competitive they all don't do it anymore like only like a few of us are here Mm. and and i was the first um black belt from the kids program and the first female aoj that's really cool so there's no like higher yeah that's funny i I feel like i noticed that a lot like in kids programs like some kids start out and they're just winning every tournament they never lose a match and it seems like they're going to grow up to be world-class black belts. But then for whatever reason, they kind of fall off. But that's interesting that you were the first black belt from the kids program. And a lot of the other ones who were challenging you at the time, they kind of just fell off and don't compete anymore. Yeah, yeah I always think it's so funny because, like, sometimes, like, um, you know, like, kids, like, they would, like, always, like, kids, like, they joke around. They, they tease you, like, especially I moved, like, I moved around, like, trained at a lot of academies. I remember one kid, he was like, oh, those aren't Mendes Brothers stripes. But then, like, the kid's not around anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the one that got the black belt from them. <laughs> Giving you a hard time. <laughs> yeah, so I always think it's funny because, like, those kids were really good. Like, we all, we literally all did the same thing. We all, like, trained, hung out together. And it's crazy to me that they're not, like, still doing it or they're not, like, as competitive as they used to be. But I still t- stay in contact with some of them. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, because you film pretty, or form pretty strong relationships with the people you train with. And obviously, going to all those kids' tournaments, training with them, I'd imagine you guys became pretty close. So, was it was it difficult when some of them stopped training? Was Did that, like, demotivate you at all? Um, It didn't. Because at the time, I was, whenever I was Orange Belt and came to train at AOJ, I was going back and forth for parent kids and staying with my friend in the summer. So, that's how I would be able to see them and, like, train at AOJ. So, for me, like, it wasn't like a super big deal because I wasn't like staying here permanently anyways. So I was like mm-hmm. to see them. But once I moved in 2016 officially, like no, none of those kids were there already. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't really have anyone to train with. Even now, like I don't really have anyone to train with. I mostly just train with the boys. Yeah. There's gotta be a little bit, there's gotta be a little bit of an interesting advantage to that though. Um, just because like, how do I, how do I say this? Uh, I mean, you have a very broad selection. I mean, are there a lot of, like, rooster weight guys at, at AOJ? Yeah, we, we have, like, three or four guys. Mm-hmm. So are the, do, you, do, do you train with, like, what's the heaviest partner you'll train with? Probably, like, featherweight. Featherweight? Well, yeah. see, that's, I think that that's still good because no one is going to be incredibly tall to where it's just kind of unrealistic unless you fight in the open division, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that that could actually pose, like, a really interesting thing. I don't feel like the lightweight... Like the meta game, I want to say at lighter the lighter weights of women is too dissimilar from the lighter weights of men. So you're still no, getting a really interesting same. look. Yeah, I think you're still getting a yeah. really interesting look 
And um, I think that's that's going to pose even an advantage to make you stronger. I mean, you looked really strong in your match versus Danielle. Um, yeah, thank you. My question is, do you uh, how what what does your strength and conditioning look like? I ask this all the time. I know I seem like a freaking psychopath because I crush my head, <laughs> but um, I'm actually super insane. I'm I'm super interested in strength and conditioning. So my question is, what does your strength and conditioning look like to supplement your jujitsu, if at all? Um, for strength and conditioning, I do it three times a week. I go like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's mostly like, yeah, like the normal strength and conditioning. I don't do anything too crazy. Okay. It's like basic compound movements and stuff like that. Yeah, mostly just trying to get stronger, like less cardio. Before I was doing like CrossFit, but then like I'd find that like I would like kind of burn myself out in like jujitsu training. So now I focus on just like lifting heavier. For sure. So I wanted to ask you too. So I feel like the OJ Kids program, like we mentioned, I know a lot of high-level kids come up in the program. I know you said that not all of them kept training, um, like going into the upper belts. But what do you feel like was was different about the way the kids at AOJ train versus other academies? I know they put more time into jiu-jitsu, but is there anything that like like any particular set of techniques that you guys focused on? Was it like very much built around the techniques that Hoffa and Gee were using, or was it kind of more open where it was like, here's what we do, like you guys figure out your game? Um, comparing AOJ, like, kids' programs to other programs, I think it just depends on the kid. Like, where AOJ was, it's different. Because back then, like, all those kids came from different schools. So they already knew that they loved jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I feel like now it's harder to, like, start from the ground up. Because those kids, like, I don't know, they're all, like, big, like, Newport kids. And, you know, <laughs> they didn't know, like, how to, like, go through the struggle, I guess, and, like, learn their jiu-jitsu. So I feel like a lot of them are having a harder time. Like, they're not as, like, dedicated and focused. But, like, back then, like, because every time, like, because I, t- I teach that class, now we don't have, like, AOJ, like, kids' classes, just, like, AOJ, like, 8 to 13 class, so, like, just all the kids can do it. And then me and my friend, or my boyfriend, Zach, um, we actually started training in Hawaii together, and then, like, he moved to California. So whenever he moved, I would, like, stay with him in the summer and, like, prepare kids. Mm-hmm. And then we teach that class together. And every time we look at, like, the kids, and, like, even, like, the yellow belts, we're like, man, when I was your age, I, I could have, like, smashed you. <laughs> <laughs> like, all these kids are so soft. That's funny. Yeah, that, that's interesting because, like you said, like, Back when you were in the kids program, it was people who knew they wanted jujitsu really seriously, and they were training with the Mendes brothers probably after training at other schools. Yeah, Whereas the now, was so <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. Like even though like it was super hard, like I, I loved it. Like I love feeling like that I worked like super hard and that like I'm tired and like pushing myself. Mm-hmm. How was the transition between the kids class and then moving into the adults class? I know you train mostly with with heavier. Uh, like male partners right now but was that was it difficult to to make that transition from going from the kids ranks into the adult class and adult competitions no it wasn't because like in Maine like I told you like my only training partners were adults so I, I was like maybe like 10 or 11 training with adults right and I was like so tiny so I had yeah. to just like adjust already mm-hmm did you have any uh, competitors when you were coming up? Any female competitors or, or male competitors that you looked up to? You really liked like watching their technique or watching their tournaments, matches, stuff like that. Um, back then, like the one that I that did inspire me was Mackenzie Dern. 
Yeah, yeah I, I would say that, like, for the female-wise, I was, like, the only one. That Do you have is, any, uh, any comments on, on that, Jake? Because she's from Arizona, so I'm sure you have some well, stuff to say. <laughs> from. Um, but, uh, you know, it's fine. No, the reason why I went, hmm, is because I, 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 she's been in the UFC. So, like, I, I completely, like, just remembered the time where I was, like, you know, because my I grew up in Arizona knowing – uh, when I when I first saw a tournament, I saw a b- huge international open tournament happening, where like Leandro Lowe came to Arizona and Ben Henderson competed in the tournament. Everybody was doing it in the in this in this crazy tournament, and I was like way too young to know any of these people. I remember my first Gustavo, my fr- we call it, I call it a Gustavo's tournament just because I don't know that I didn't know the actual name of it back then. But I remember that was my first taste of like seeing actual competition. But when I saw Mackenzie Dern, I remember being like, oh, she's the girl that beat Gabby Garcia. And I just knew Gabby Garcia before every other female athlete because she was just so strong. She looked like the epitome of female physical and autonomical prowess. And I was like, there's no way anybody's beating that girl. And then Mackenzie Dern did it. And I was like, more power to you, Mackenzie Dern. I'm going to keep a track of you. And then I, she went to the UFC. So, um, no, I thought that that was really uh, – it was just cool that that's one of your inspirations. Yeah. It was so cool because – not long ago, uh, I actually got to train with her. Oh, that's awesome. Do you want to talk about that? Like, what that was like? Um, It, it was really cool. Like, we got to train Nogi together because she was getting ready for one of her UFC fights. So we were training AOJ. Yeah, it was cool. I, I was super excited because, like, whenever I was younger, like, I always looked up to her. And, like, I always saw that she did, like, amazing things in the sport. And then, like, I finally got the opportunity to train with her. And, like, I did, like, really good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's interesting too how some of the top geek competitors like Mackenzie, Adolfo, Bushesha, Bruno Malfacine, like when they transition to MMA, it's cool to see how they change their jujitsu for a different sport and a different rule set. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, I think it's really interesting because okay, so one thing I thought about because I wanted to do MMA at one point, I thought it was so funny to see like Damian Maya. I'm like, Dave, okay, so this guy's IBJJF world champion, Damian Maya. Like, in jiu-jitsu, we have to be like, oh, no, they're holding their hand like this on an arm bar. Like, this is the arm getting arm bar. We have to hold our hand like this. How am I going to break it? I got to peel the wrist, lean a certain way. And MMA, Damian might just punched him in the face like three <laughs> times. The guy let go of his arm. I was like, oh, that's so funny. Like, sometimes MMA makes jiu-jitsu, like, lower level. Like, you can do, like, lower yeah. level stuff. And if you're higher level, you're like, oh, my gosh. It's like watching Charles Oliveira. I don't know if you saw this fight. Charles Oliveira versus Tony Ferguson. I did uh, watch that. No. Okay, so, so Tony Ferguson's like a 10th planet black belt, right? Probably pretty good. Um, I don't know because I haven't seen him do straight jiu-jitsu, but Charles Oliveira is like another level. And Joe Rogan's like, oh, Tony Ferguson, jiu-jitsu black belt. And Charles is just like rolling circles around him. It's just making him look like not not the same. It's There's levels, you know? And I thought it was so crazy because that's the difference between like jiu-jitsu and MMA and just jiu-jitsu. You know, it's you if you have a good here and you can translate it to MMA, that's such a huge, beautiful power. So I don't know if you have any like inklings in your head of doing MMA in the future or not. Like, I'm not going to. Everyone I, always asks me that. Uh, do you, Have you heard of 1FC? Oh, oh of yeah. They actually contacted me. No way, really? But I'm, I'm still thinking about it because like I want to accomplish my jiu-jitsu goals first. So did they, actually, did they offer you a fight? Uh, yeah, they offered me a contract. At first, I would fight amateur with, like, one or two fights. Then I'd be in the actual 1FC. Wow. That's super interesting. Yeah, I was actually having a conversation with someone about 1FC yesterday. And it's yeah. it's super cool. I've, 
I think one FC is awesome. I love how they have those weight cutting rules in, and I love yeah, and they have smaller they, weight classes. Exactly, smaller weight classes. They have a lot of unique fighters that I, I don't want to say they're not good enough to be in the UFC, but maybe they just have like a different style. Like Ben Askren was in there for a while. Um, one FC is awesome. I love how they pay their fighters. It's great. Yeah, that'd be, they actually that'd be pay better than the UFC. From what yeah. I heard. Mm-hmm. Ben Askren was a bad example, by the way. Of being one of Ben Askren. Ben Askren is disgraced right now. <laughs> <laughs> Angela yeah, Lee is that a better Checha example. Is doing one yes. FC. Yeah, Bouchesh is. Yeah, yeah Bouchesh is doing one FC. Yep. Yeah, he's got a really tough opponent. You like Angela Lee, Jake? I do. Angela Lee's a friend of mine. Nice. Yeah, yeah I know her. I've known her and her brother since I was fourteen. But um, that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, that that's really interesting. So so. Okay. Do you have any experience striking? This is like a whole nother uh, I started doing Muay Thai. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Just recently? Uh yeah. Maybe like over a month ago. I was just doing it once a week. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Breaking news. One of C yeah. reached out to you. That's awesome. <laughs> That's honestly super and then you know what's cool is is now like you don't have to you don't really have to go out and search for it because i'm of the opinion this is kind of a, a hard opinion i think that a lot of people don't like but like i don't think that amateur mma from a jiu-jitsu black belt or somebody who's done a lot of amateur competition needs to spend like like maybe one or two fights at at the most but like look at Rafael lovato i don't think he did any amateur fights i think he only fought professional i, I could ask him that next time i see him but um or if i ever meet the guy i never even saw him but um <laughs> I don't know why I said next time I see him. But uh, when I see him next weekend. When I see him, no, I'm not going to see him next weekend because he's, or maybe I will. Maybe he'll be a fight to win. I don't know. This is, again, what I'm saying is um, you can be like, all right, cool. I have this huge, you just turned black belt in jiu-jitsu. You have, uh, you know, you're definitely probably a betting favorite to be a jiu-jitsu black belt world champion. At least you are our, one of our bets, um, which is, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but now you have like this amazing seat that you can sit in where you're like, all right, cool. Now I can do MMA. I already got offers. I already got this. I already, I'm a part of a, of, of women's MMA is a really awesome Avenue to go down. Uh, that is really crazy. I'm so glad that we are we, the, the open guard cast got to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I actually so, told myself. Cause back then I was actually like, whenever like my Naga days, I was thinking of doing MMA cause I seen Ronda Rossi mm-hmm. and I was doing arm bars a lot. And I know that's her favorite move. So I was like, Oh, maybe I do that. And then a few a few years back, I was like, no, I don't think I want to get punched in the face. But then they reached out to me, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll do it. But, like, I don't think I would actually, like, do it, like, if I knew I had to, like, climb my way up. But now I'm kind of thinking about it because, like, they actually reached out to me. Mm-hmm. So it would be less work for me to, like, get my name out there and try and do were you, it. Were you interested in striking in Muay Thai before they reached out to you? Um... Just, just when I was like little, mm. just because I seen like Ronda Rousey, but, like prior to that, like not really. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I really. Some people don't like when high level jujitsu competitors leave jujitsu and compete in MMA. I think it's really cool. Like I love watching Hidalfo Vieira fight, even though his last fight was was really sad. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's such. It's so interesting to see how they transition their game. Like. How they and in striking, what techniques they decide to use. It's man, yeah. That and you're so young too. That's the thing. Is like you have plenty of time to work on your striking, work on your wrestling game, and and still achieve a lot in jujitsu. Yeah, that's why I wanted to like do Muay Thai once a week just to see like how I feel. And I was like, I can't just jump right into MMA. I need to like first like see if I can fall in love with the sport. 
Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. So thinking about like your future, you mentioned that you teach um, like the kids' classes at AOJ. Is that something that you want to get more into too as you as you get a bit older in the sport? Like, Do you want to do more teaching or do you kind of just want to focus on competing and do teaching on the side? Um, Both. Like right now I teach four classes a day. I teach Monday oh, through wow. Saturday. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you teach four classes a day? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So yeah, what's, so, like, your, your daily schedule? Like, you want to walk us through that? <laughs> yeah. So at 7 a.m., I have comp training. And then at 8 a.m., I have fundamentals class. And then 9 a.m., like, sometimes I'll do nogi. And then at 12, I work out. And then from 3 to 5, I teach two 5- to 7-year-old classes. And then from 5 to 6, I teach the 8- to 13 class. And then from six to seven, I teach adult basics class. Wow. Okay. That is a very packed schedule. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really have time to do anything else. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> what is your favorite energy drink? Because <laughs> I know you take one. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that and like a protein bar. <laughs> yes. So what is it? Um, I like this Amazon energy drinks. Oh, man. That's too healthy. <laughs> Forget I asked. Um, Actually, it has a lot of sugars in it. I probably shouldn't be drinking it. I, I meant like stuff but, that like the the bang energy like lies to you. you oh, know I, I mean? don't like that stuff. But I just like drink whatever's at AOJ. We only have Amazon and Perps. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> easy to say. So is it is it difficult to fit in like all of your like nutrition and stuff? Like, cause it seems like you're you have like five hour blocks where you're at the gym training and then teaching. So you don't really have that much time in between classes. Is it tough to like get all the fuel you need in? Yeah. And like usually before I train, I don't eat. I don't like to eat before I train. But like, yeah, but I feel like I train good even though I don't eat. I just like make sure I drink water before. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then right Fair. after the train, I'll eat. It's another interesting thing. I wonder how many people are like that. I've, spe- I've spoken to a lot of people that are like, I don't like to eat before I train, but... I, I feel like like it's very hard. Um, the, and especially like you got to be burning a lot of calories being on the mat so yeah. much. Like you're on the mat all the time and you're not. So I don't know. I don't know how I could do that. Being on the mat for four, <laughs> hour, four hours teaching classes, not eating. That's, that's insane. Yeah, it sounds tough. Mm. So, so after EUG, do you have any plans for, for competition or do you have any plans for what you want to do with your with your training? Um, yeah, April, I have a pretty packed schedule, so the first week, April 3rd, I have the EUG, and then the week after, I have the IBJJF Charleston Open, and then after that, I'm, I might have another super fight for who's number one, mm-hmm. and then also another smaller, like, event, I might have a super fight, it's called the Arte Suave. It's in oh, Sacramento. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've heard of yeah. that. Yeah, so I think I might have those four events in April. Awesome. Yeah, they have a pretty cool – actually, one of our former guests, Leo Silva, he's in the Art Suave, the eight-man tournament. Um, there's some other really good names in that, and then I know there's some really great super fights on there as well. Yeah. So I think I'm doing all those four in April. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, but this month I don't have anything. Yeah, so just taking time to prepare and get ready for all that – all those events in april yeah yeah there's a lot cool 
So Jake, do you have any more uh, any more questions for Jessa before we? You know, I don't I don't think I do. Uh, I will be at EUG, uh, the voice of EUG promotions officially. Jake Watson. Uh, Jake Watson. <laughs> uh this disgraced competitor turned commentator <laughs> i'm just kidding um no but uh yeah we want to thank you for coming on do you want to thank any sponsors perhaps okay uh thank you guys for having me on the pat uh on the podcast um thank you eog for having me on their event like i'm looking forward to fighting on that event especially against Damaris. i heard she's like a really good competitor and like all i want to do is fight like the best like i'm just trying to like by everyone, make my name in that division and in Black Belt. And I want to thank all my sponsors, um, Red Bowie, CBD, nice. um, Money, Sports Nutrition, um, Virus, Intel, um, Asai Republic, and Art of Jiu-Jitsu. Awesome. Right. Fantastic. Well, um, I will take this time to thank once again election performance. I do have another can, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> save your forehead. Yeah. There's one thing I need to save. It's this gigantic yeah, forehead. Jake's competing uh, this week. Don't cut yourself on Oh, on the yeah, forehead. true. Yeah, I'm competing this weekend. You if forgot you were competing? No, I didn't forget. I didn't forget I was competing. Uh, I had to remind him. Yeah, Danny. Danny has uh, Danny's actually my caretaker. He, uh, he even has my plane ticket. I give him my driver's license so that he knows. <laughs> Um, no, I'm competing this weekend on Fight to Win 167 against Pedro Mourinho. That should be a lot of fun. In the you just got black, his black belt, belt, right? Yeah. Congrats. So congratulations, Pedro, uh, on your black belt, my friend. Uh, we want to, yeah, thank Election Performance, Agro Brand, Ramada BJJ, and Marcio Andre Academy. Danny's a Marcio Andre black belt. I bet you didn't know that. <laughs> no, Crazy. I didn't know that. No, no, no <laughs> nice one to know knows. That now. But I'm gonna get everyone to know. Everyone is going to know about Danny O'Frickin' Donald. I don't want anyone to know about me. I want Shut everyone up. to know about our guests and about Jake. That's it. Shut up. <laughs> don't, be, don't be coy. <laughs> Mongrel. Anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Jessica Khan. We're wishing you all the best. We will see you in Vegas. Uh, good luck teaching all your classes and uh, drinking your energy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is episode 86 of the Open Guard Cast with Jesse Khan, and we'll see you guys soon.